0: events impact us more than others, Lord, but you do. You know exactly what's going on. You are sovereign. You know the past, the future, all eternity, and we trust in you, Lord. There's a lot of evil in this world, and And again, it's, it's a testimony, again, of just the brokenness of man and how we need you and how we have to search you, Lord, to find that peace, to find salvation. God, you've given us Jesus Christ to, to die for our sins, I just pray that more and more people see you Lord. More more and more people will come to, to know you. Come to accept Jesus. And right now Lord, we just do we want to pray for those for the families of the victims who perished in at 9/11 2001 September 11. 10, 15 years ago today Lord. Pray you continue to be with them guide them, to comfort them especially in this day that just brings back so much memory, so many memories Lord I also pray for all the first responders of this country who are just will be there to to respond right away at a moment's notice when something major happens Lord, Lord whether it's the EMTs, whether it's the fire department, whether it's police department, chaplains, all those other organizations, Lord. Thank you for them and I just ask that you also keep providing for them, keep being with them and comforting them, Lord. Strengthen them as well as it does take a toll. Lord, and and I, I pray for our country. I pray for our co- or the safety of our country, that you protect it from any harm. But we don't want to see any more death, major catastrophes here, Lord. May you just thwart the plans of any anyone wanting to do harm or cause, or cause any harm to this country. protect us. Be with us, Lord. Show us the way we should go. Thank you, Lord, for being good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um. Let me think of this, Robin, if there's any more announcement that I missed. You weren't here, huh? <laughs> hmm You're good? Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Well, that was a prayer for our country for 9-11. What I want to do now is just pray that the Lord speak to us. Um, I want to pray one more time that the Lord speak to us through through his message today. Lord God, uh, again, we, we come before you and ask you that you uh, speak to us through this message today. Lord, you planned this day and you planned this time and you planned for everyone to be here. and and you have a message exactly for them. And for us. Open the hearts, the ears, the minds of everyone here, Lord. May they see the message that you want to share with them, that you want to give them, Lord. And, and use me as well, Lord. Humble me and, and use me as your mighty instrument. Lord, we can bow down in humbleness and... And adoration and, and just use our hearts, Lord. Use our minds and to just do amazing and amazing work. Not just within ourselves, but you know, with with our families and in the communities as well, Lord. We focus on you praise you and adore you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so before I begin sharing this, this morning's passage, um, I think, I thought it was important that I review a few things that we covered from last week, because there's a lot of relevant information, there's a lot of things that um, tie into our passage um, this morning. Last week, we read how Jesus had been led to had been led to leave the other side of the sea of Galilee immediately after teaching. He had left that area that he was at teaching, possibly Capernaum, and he told his disciples, you know what, let's go to the other side of the mountain, the other side of the sea. Um, it was one of those quick kind of a deals. Jesus actually didn't get off the boat to mingle with the crowd and to minister. He just told his disciples, you know what, let's go to the other side of the mountain. And when one of the other gospels tell us that it was about five just five miles away so regardless of whether Jesus knew or didn't know what his purpose was for going to the other side of the sea Jesus completely obeyed and trusted and relied on the will of the Father that's one of the points we covered last last week another one was his his trust in God the Father gave him such a sense of peace and security that he was able to sleep through a storm so violent that his disciples actually thought they were going to die now another point uh, from last week that will help us better understand our passage for this week is the authority that Jesus had. In last week's passage we saw that Jesus had the authority to calm the wind and the storm. When the disciples thought they were going to die and they woke Jesus up and they asked him, "Don't you care that we're going to die?" Jesus went to the front of the ship, in front of the boat, and just rebuked that wind, told us, the wind to calm down, rebuked the, the sea, and they listened. Even the wind and the sea obeyed Jesus. And we'll, get, we'll also see, we'll see this week, how that authority, the authority of Jesus Christ, how it's also displayed. In our story this week, in our story we'll read from chapter 5 this week. We'll be going to focus on these three particular aspects of the story. The first aspect we're going to be looking at is the frightening torment that a man endured being possessed by a legion of demons. We'll also see how these demons fearfully submitted to the authority of Jesus. And finally, we'll see how Jesus liberated this man and how he went from a monster to a powerful witness and a messenger of Jesus Christ. Those are the three points we're going to be covering. And, you know, I, 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 as I studied, as I put this together, it was, there was a lot of information. I mean, I even learned a lot of stuff in here. There's just a lot of good information here. Um, I know that I grew as a person, and I was able to see this story through a new light, new perspective. And um, I just want to share those things with you this, this morning. So let's begin reading. Um, I'm going to be in Mark chapter 5. I'll be in Mark chapter 5 this morning. In the Bibles that are, that are there in your chairs, um, it's going to be on page 554. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says then they came to the other side of the sea to the region of the of the Gerasenes as soon as he got out of the boat a man with an unclean spirit came out to the tombs and met him he lived in the tombs he lived in the tombs no one was able to restrain him anymore even with chains because he often had been bound with shackles and chains but had snapped off the chains and smashed the, shack- the shackles no one was strong enough to subdue him and always, night and day, he was crying out among the tombs and in the mountains, and cutting himself with stones. Now, the region of garrisons. I have a, I have a map here. I want to show you real quick. Okay. So, in some translation, in some translations, garrisons. In the New King James Version, is one of them. Um, garrison translates as uh, is also known as the um the gadarenes now the Gadarene region was this right here right here where it says G- gadara so it says that jesus entered this area here this particular area the gadara now from what most scholars um most scholars would say that the this event took place around this southern area of the sea of galilee or in the southeast area. Um, the exact location isn't known, but that's where most a lot of scholars believe the event happened. So we see that if Jesus was in Capernaum, Capernaum he just traveled just a little bit south, and that's where he ended up, and that's where this event ended up happening. Um, again, um, we're, we're going to be coming back to this map, but I just wanted to show you real quick that um, the region, the Gerasenes, also known as the Gadarenes, is about is right, right here, run right this area here. Okay, now the area is a predominantly gen- Gentile area. And if you don't know again what a Gentile is, um, according to the Bible, there's only two classifications of people. You have your Jews and then you have your Gentiles. You have your Jews that obviously the, they, they were known one of the biggest factors that they were known by was the covenant of the circumcision. Um, and I really won't get into that. But um, if you're not circumcised, if you're not a Jew, then you're considered a Gentile. Now, this was predominantly a Gentile area. Verse 2 tells us that as soon as Jesus stepped out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out to meet him. Now, we've already seen that um, when the Bible talks about an unclean spirit, what is it? What is it talking about? Well, again, the Bible mentions that an unclean spirit, when the Bible mentions an unclean spirit, it refers to it, it, refers to it as a, it refers to a deep, an evil demonic spirit. Notice also how this evil spirit came out of the tombs to meet Jesus. This evil spirit, or this man, lived among the tombs. Demons know that it's pointless to hide from God. They know they can't hide from God. I mean, we, you know, we've seen, even from Genesis, Adam and Eve try to hide, they couldn't hide. God knew where they were. But These demons, especially because they knew who God is and they know the plan of God, they can't hide. They can't hide from, from God. Now their method typically is just to confront and accuse. That's what these evil spirits um, do um, and that's what we see them do in this particular case. Their again, their method is to typically confront and accuse. Now, this man with an unclean spirit lived lived in the tombs, and these tombs were different than what we what we think about tombs today. When we think about tombs, we think about these big structures with you know maybe a big room where they have a bunch of maybe urns where they keep maybe a family keeps all their um, the ashes of relatives, um, or maybe they could be just one big tomb for um, one individual and maybe you've seen them before at cemeteries but you know some of them can be are are really flashy well here um, these tombs were where were again people buried did bury their dead but these were more like small caves these were more like small caves found in the hills and mountains in the area so either they would be dug out by people or they were just naturally there but all they were were just small, small caves. More than likely, these tombs were similar to that, that Lazarus and Jesus had been placed after they had died. Again, if you remember that story, uh, when Jesus went to go visit Mary and Martha and, and um, well, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he was placed in a tomb. And also, when Jesus died, we see that also that he was placed in a tomb and the rock was rolled over, over, that, over that tomb. Now this man, he lived with and was constantly surrounded by decaying corpses of dead bodies. That's all he was surrounded by, just dead bodies, dead, stinking, decaying bodies. I mean, and we're not given the exact details, but he was probably just chilling out with these bodies, these dead bodies. Uh, I mean, what a horrible place, what a horrible condition to be in just living among the dead, dwelling among the dead. All he smelt night and day was the decomposing bodies of dead people. Again, what a horrible image, what a horrible con- you know, just condition to live under. Now this is what we also know about this man. This is, here, according to Luke's account of this story, he was, was demon-possessed for a very long time. Also, Luke tells us that he roamed completely, he roamed around completely naked and lived outside pretty much like an animal. He was just walking around that whole tomb area, around those hills, around those mountains, completely naked, no clothes at all, living like an animal. Verse 4 in our passage here tells us that this man had super, also supernatural strength. Chains and shackles couldn't restrain him because he would break them. He would be placed in chains and shackles around his wrists and around his ankles, and he would break them. And we also know that no one, absolutely no one was able to restrain him. No one was able to subdue him. No one was able to take him down and hold him down no matter how big, how powerful that, mind, that, that person might have been, there was no one strong enough to subdue him. This man was also in self-torment. Constantly in torment. We're told that he would cry out all the time during the day and night. He would cry out. Around those hills, people would hear him in the middle of the night. I did a word search on that crying out sound, and one of the definitions that came that they came up was that it was like a croaking sound. It was a screaming, like ear shaking sound. The kind that Jesus doesn't sound natural. Now. It did mention, the definition didn't mention, it was like a sound that a, a crow would make. And even that sound, I, I put an audio sound of, of, that, of a crow, put it on YouTube, and it's, it's, not a, it's not a good sound to hear. It's actually a pretty, pretty ugly sound. But anyways, what I'm saying is that something about his voice was just unnatural. When he would cry out. And it was just haunting people day and night. And we also know that he would cut himself constantly with the stones. He kept cutting himself. He was in so much agony and so much pain that he would get the sharpest stones that he he could find and just cut himself. Anywhere, just everywhere. Ah! This was the condition that this man was in. Now we have to remember that this man this man this person didn't start this way. He wasn't born like this. He wasn't born under the in this condition. At some point these demons took possession of him. Now due to his ongoing irrational behavior as you know whatever he was doing to that allowed these demons to come and take possession of him. It started affecting him and it's it started his behavior, his attitude started just becoming really un, un, irrational. Now, it got to a point that the community said, You know what? We're done with you. We don't want to deal with you anymore. You're absolutely crazy. You're nuts. <coughs> You're out of here. We just want, just go away. So they sent him out there to the hills, to the tombs. And that's where he made his home, and that's where he just lived, among the dead bodies. They pretty, much considered sure. him, they pretty much considered him a dead man walking. A living dead man. He became a social outcast and was completely ostracized by society. No one, absolutely no one wanted to do any, anything to do with him. If this man had a family, lost. They didn't want anything to do with him. Children, wife, didn't want anything to do with him. He lost completely, he lost everything. And these demons, again, just tormenting him day in and day out. Now, if you ever wanted to know what demon possession looked like, if you've ever been curious, hey, what is the difference? What what is demon possession? What how do I know if someone's been demon possessed? Well, here, these first Verses 3 to 5 give us a pretty good description of what that looks like. And honestly, as I try to imagine myself confronting this man on my own, I find it absolutely terrifying. I find it completely terrifying, the, the, the thought of this man approaching me and me having to confront him with the image we just described, oh man, I, I, alone by myself? No way, I, I, I wouldn't be able to, to, to handle it. I probably would run away like a little girl. I'd be like, ah, I don't, this is scary, this is, no way. You see, I, I've been trained to deal with people, to handle people under the influence of drugs or alcohol. I've gone through that kind of training how to deal with people, how to handle those kind of people that are either high on drugs or under the influence, and, and how to be able just to, to control the situation. My training has also taught me how to deal with people that may have had a mental disorder or they may have a mental disorder. But without Christ, there is no amount of training that would be able to prepare me or anyone to deal with this, a man possessed by demons. Now, yeah, you know, if we, if we look at a person today, in the world we live in today, if a person like this appeared, we either would think he's insane, he's crazy, or he's high on drugs. Now, there are some pretty strong drugs out there that may do this to a person, but the scriptures here are clear and obvious that this man was possessed by a demon. This wasn't insanity. This wasn't... Drugs. This wasn't alcohol. This was a man possessed by demons. Now I believe we have to use wisdom and discernment when it comes to dis- demonic possession, because not all dem- demonic possession is a mental disorder, and not every mental disorder is a demonic possession. Now this is—I feel strongly about this—and I hope that one day, as this church grows, and and we'll be—I'll be able to talk more about or maybe do a series on mental disorders and what, what, we, what the Bible teaches us or what we can learn in the Bible about mental disorders. But I wanted to take a quick minute just to say that it's dangerous to automatically assume that every person with a mental disorder has been possessed by a demonic spirit. You see more damage can occur when rather than seeking medical treatment people with mental disorders are treated as though they are demon-possessed. Many factors have to be taken under consideration before coming to that conclusion. That's why it's important that we educate ourselves. That we educate ourselves about real mental disorders. I know there's people out there who may think that just because someone has a bipolar disorder that they're demon-possessed. Just because they're depressed, they're demon-possessed. Or they're influenced, you know, by, by... no, it's, it's not always the case. There are days, honestly, where I get depressed. In my past, there have been times where I've tried, I've self-medicated just so that I wouldn't deal with the depression. But it's real. These mental disorders are real. And a lot of times they're caused by a chemical imbalance in the brain. However, again, there are there is a segment in our you know within our Christian brothers and sisters within the church who believe that that's, that's nonsense. I'll tell you that you know again it's we have to be careful when it comes to that. It is possible that a person can be possessed by a demon, but again what we see here in verses three to five is a good indicator if you know that's that's something to look for if any of that, if that person is displaying any of these any of these attributes then probably probably that person is demon possessed again however with the description we've already been given and what we will continue to read about this man wasn't suffering from a mental disorder this was a real demonic possession and a kind that can only be handled by the power of Jesus Christ. So let's keep reading. Verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him. And he cried out with a loud, loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, Come out of, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Now, try to imagine this scene. Try to imagine the scene in your head. After a long and terrifying night out in the sea, Jesus and his disciples finally get to shore. Now, his disciples were probably relieved. They had just gone through this crazy, violent storm in which they thought they were going to die. And they were probably relieved and still in shock because of what they just experienced. And also, they were probably in shock about what they just saw Jesus do, with the wind and the sea. He told the wind and sea, you know what? Calm down, stop, and it did. Man, they were probably, their minds were probably just going in a million directions. Those five miles they traveled across on that lake must have felt like thousands through an ocean. What a night, what a night they experienced. But it's now, as soon as they get off this boat, they see a man in the distant hill hills making his way towards them. As they get off the boat, they, they, off, to, off in the distance, they see a man coming towards them. They see this figure coming towards them. Again, try to imagine this scene. As he gets closer and closer, they begin to see his frightening condition. He's completely naked and covered in dried blood, cuts, and scabs. The hair in his head and his face, because by this time, if this is we're talking about years here, he probably has long hair, a long beard, and it's completely matted, it's completely dirty, it probably has bugs in it, completely unkept. I mean, we're talking about just... A, a, a scene out of some scary horror movie. You know, he, he just didn't look normal. Now, also, his eyes were probably bloodshot, hollow, and sunken, and sunken due to the lack of sleep. Have you ever seen anyone like that where they tell you, you know what, I haven't slept for days and their eyes are just hollow and, and you know, they're, they're swollen or you can just tell they haven't had any sleep? And this man, because he was crying out night after night, probably wasn't able to get any rest at all. And then also, another, as he comes closer, the disciples begin to see, that, see the broken shackles and chains that were hanging from his wrists and ankles. Again, I, like I said, I try to imagine the scene and absolutely terrifying. If this man was was approaching even within our group here I think all of us would probably run away but Jesus remained there he stood his ground he didn't have any fear he knew God was with him now this man as he got in front of Jesus was now kneeling before Jesus and he probably looked more than a monster than a man. A monster. A human monster. Absolutely again terrifying. Now this wasn't the first time Jesus encountered a demon-possessed man. I mean he had been he had been doing this since since chapter one. We've seen that. We've covered some of those situa- some of those times. What made the situation unique was that there was resistance when Jesus commanded this evil spirit to come out of this man. Now speaking through this man, the evil spirit said, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. The demons that had taken possession of this man thought that they could use their host, thought that they could use this man as a human shield. But all they really did was make themselves more apparent by revealing who Jesus truly was and revealing their fear of Him. Because they were, they were scared. This response here, what they said, tells us they were shaking in their boots. These demons were scared of who they were in front of. Now, it was this statement and their resistance that prompted Jesus to investigate further. Not because he needed to, but just because he wanted to. Jesus understood that there was a purpose behind this entire situation and wanted others to be a witness of that purpose. Now, yeah, he could have easily said, you know what, you six, you know what, you demons, you all you evil spirits, get out of that man and, and, and they would have obeyed and they would have listened. But no, there was a, he understood there was a purpose behind it. He knew that, that this was for a reason, and that's why Jesus asked him what he asked him. And we'll see that in just a second. I remember, I remember as a small kid how hard it was to lie to my mom. How hard it was. It was hard because I really wanted to avoid... I wanted to avoid a spanking. When I did something wrong, if I broke something, I mean, when I was a kid, yeah, I, you know, if it was, if I wasn't being careful, I would, I would get my spanking. If I talked back, if I did anything, if I hit my little brother, if I, you know, or if he was crying and ran, running to mom, I could lie, but I knew that I would get my spanking. Somehow, some way. She always found out. She always knew what I did. And I always blamed it on the little bird. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but that's what my mom would tell me. The little bird told me. Un pajarito, me dijo. And when I knew she said that, I was like, oh man, I can't I can't hide. I can't hide this lie anymore. You know, and I knew that's when a whooping was coming. You see, every time that little bird told her, my spanking would be worse than just confessing about it. Now, if I had just would have told her, hey, you know what, I did this, I probably still would have gotten in trouble. And I would have, you know, but the spanking was worse because this little bird told her. And, you know, in reality it was that I lied about it. And she, she already knew that I was covering it up and I was lying to her. So finally, I got to a point where it was just better to tell her and possibly negotiate a punishment rather than taking a spanking. I would be like, "Okay, mom, I, this is what I did. I, I I broke this, you know, this porcelain uh, doll that you have. And okay, I, I mean, I, if you're gonna spank me, do it this way. Or if you're gonna, you know, I would try to negotiate that way rather than just lying about it and having her just, you know." just do it. I love my mom. I don't want to talk bad about her. She's, she's an amazing mother. I mean, she did her best. I am, you know, I never went to prison. I never, you know, I never became a, a drug addict. She raised us good. And I think part of the reason was because of her method of discipline. I understood. My kids are lucky. They don't have to, they never had to endure any of that. You know, they were, you know, yeah, I was spanked them a few times, but nothing major, nothing major. Anyways, going back to the story, Satan and his demons know that they can't lie to God. They know they can't lie to God face to face. They fear God because they know that the punishment, they know that there's a punishment waiting for them. They know what it is. So their best bet is to use humans to do their lying for them. And that's why, that's one of the reasons why they possess People, so that they can do their bidding, so that they can do these the, these evil acts, so they can do these evil things, and then just lie to God about it. Because we do. Naturally, we're liars. We will lie to God. We will lie to each other. We will lie to our wives. We will lie to our parents. We will lie to our family members just to get away from Just to get away. Get away from being in trouble. That's why Jesus said in John 8:44 that the devil is a liar and the father of lies. He lies to people and uses as instruments of war against God. He uses me and you. He uses regular people as instruments of war against God. Satan lied to Eve to tempt her to question God in the Garden of Eden, and we're also told in Revelation 20:10 that he will continue to deceive until he's thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur for all eternity. That's what he does. Deceive and lie to get you as far away from God, to continue to break that relationship that you have with God. You see, everyone eventually will be held accountable. Every person here in this room will be held accountable to God for every lie they ever spoke but only those who are covered by the blood of Jesus will be judged as innocent. The devil doesn't have that luxury. He doesn't have that luxury of being covered with the... He, he made his choice already. And now he's trying to use as many people as he can to do his beating, to do his evil work. And if the devil can take someone with him to his eventual demise, to this lake of sulfur and fire, that's a win for him. The devil doesn't want you to go to heaven. He doesn't want you to spend eternity with God. He doesn't want you to experience joy. He doesn't want, to, he doesn't want you to live the Christian life. He wants to completely destroy you. And it starts off small at first, but by the time he's done with you, Your life is a complete mess. And I know know from experience. Start off small for me. And next thing you know, my life is falling apart. He's trying to destroy people. He's trying to take people away. He's trying to take as many people as he can to hell with him. As a Christian, allow yourself to be used as an instrument of God by living with honor and integrity and letting the truth of, God, of God's Word to be the filter of how you see and interact in this world. Live with honor and integrity. If you're a Christian here today, live your life like that. Live your life like Jesus wants you to live. He's our perfect example. I know, you know, again, we're not perfect. I know we're going to make mistakes and we're going to mess up. But we get back up and we ask Jesus for forgiveness. We ask God for forgiveness. And and you know what? We keep going. That's what this Christian life is all about. getting up and keep going. We mess up. We don't stay down. Let the truth of God's word be the filter of how you see and interact in this world. Well, that's what we see these demons trying to do with this man. They were using him as an an instrument against everyone he came across and to eventually destroy who God created this man to be. But Jesus had other plans. Let's keep reading. In verse 9, it says, What is your name? he asked him. My name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. And he kept begging him not to send him out of the region. Now a large herd of pigs was there feeding in the hillside. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so we may enter them. And he gave them permission. Then the clean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd of of about 2000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. So after noticing how this evil spirit was displaying a particular, a peculiar resistance to his command, Jesus looked straight into this man, straight into his eyes, into him and asked him, what is your name? And this man replies, this man replies a certain way. Now, before I get to actually his reply, notice how this man answered in the first, in the first person pronoun of my. But rather than giving a common name, he gives the name legion. He says my name is legion he answered him because we are many now legion wasn't the name that this man's parents gave him or nor was it a nickname that his friends or his buddies or or he went by no rather as this man explained it was the name that these demons called themselves legion now, during the Roman Empire, a legion consisted of about 6,000 heavily armed Roman soldiers. Now, in today's terms, if you have military experience, this would be the size of an army brigade or a marine regiment. 6,000. We're talking about 6,000 evil demonic spirits inside this man tormenting him, destroying his soul, destroying the spirit inside of him. Imagine, 6,000 evil spirits. No wonder again this man was in constant torment. However, even 6,000 demons couldn't stand a chance against Jesus. They absolutely feared the power of Jesus and what he could do to them. Verse 10 says that a man, that this man was begging Jesus not to send them out of the region. Why do you think they didn't want to leave? Why do you think they didn't want to leave the area, the region they were in? You see these demonic spirits had, for, had gotten comfortable where they were. They had been within this man for such a long time that they had gotten comfortable there. They saw the chaos and damage that they, held already, that they had already caused. I remember he was people were coming in and trying to subdue him. He was probably hurting them, probably was killing some of them. But even prior to that, he was probably causing so much chaos that it was just like, it was fun for these demons or... It was, it was just destroying people. And they probably weren't finished with the mission that Satan had for them. Yes, Satan gives orders. Satan is the top, you know, the top demon, and he's, he, he's the one who gives orders to these other, you know, to these minions, to these you know, evil spirits, and they're the ones who go out and torment. They're the ones who cause havoc and chaos and do the possession. and and possess people. And they knew, they understood that probably they weren't finished with the mission that Satan had for them. And then, and this is what's so great, and then out of nowhere they see Jesus and they realize that every evil purpose and all the damage they had intended to cause will be destroyed. So they start plotting and strategizing to find ways to outsmart Jesus. And you can see them, they're thinking to themselves. And in, in their panic and desperation, they see this herd of pigs. They see this herd of pigs standing to the, uh, out in the distance. And these demons, we see here in, 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 this, in our passage, it says, these demons begged them, send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. Maybe they thought that if they went into these pigs, if these demons went into, this, into these pigs, they could buy some more time to regroup while at the same time staying in that region, staying in that area, and continuing the mission that they had. Whatever reason was for their request, I love what Jesus does next. I do, I love how he, he, what he does. Verse 13 says that Jesus gave them permission. So ultimately, so immediately, they get out of the man, they leave these 6,000 evil demonic spirits, get out of this man, and enter this herd of about 2,000 pigs. Now, I, I guess these pigs didn't respond too well. I guess they didn't like this being possessed, and it sounds like they went out of their minds. Because we're told that the herd rushed down a steep bank into the sea and drowned there no more pigs, no more 6,000 demonic spirits, demonic spirits. But now all that was left was this one man who finally was freed from years of torment. I believe that at this precise, precise moment, in the mind of this man, the only person, the only two people that existed in this entire world was just him and the person standing behind him standing next to him or standing in front of him Jesus Christ Let me tell you if you've been in constant torment because of something or someone or because something or someone has you in bondage I want you to know that Jesus has the power to liberate you from that torment and from that bondage He came here And he came and he's here to reveal himself to you. He died on the cross to liberate you. And he rose again to give you everlasting life. Quoting the prophecy of Isaiah, listen to what Jesus said about himself. Again, listen to what Jesus said about himself. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed. But the only way you can be liberated, the only way you can be set free from this torment, from this bondage, is to allow Jesus to free you. All you have to do is sincerely ask Him from the depths of your heart. You just have to ask Him deep within you. Lord, set me free. I'm tired. I don't want to be bound by this thing, by this person. I want to live in freedom. And He will. He will set you free. Sincerely ask Him and He will hear the cries of your heart. He listens to you. He listens to his children. Well, I guess there weren't. There was some who weren't too happy about what these poor little piggies. About these poor little piggies that. I guess some were just didn't. You know, were just horrified by it. Let's let's read about it. Let's pick up in verse fourteen. It says the men who tended them, these pigs, ran off and reported it in the town and countryside and people went to see what had happened they came to jesus and saw the man who had been demon possessed by the legion sitting there dressed in his right mind right mind and they were afraid the eyewitnesses described to them what had happened and the demon possessed man uh, what had happened to the demon possessed man and told about the pigs then they began to beg him to leave the region so it looks like those who were hired to watch these 2,000 pigs went out and told as many people as they could. The story must have spread like wildfire all over the area, all over the region. And it didn't take too long before all kinds of people showed up to see for themselves what happened. You know, you have just, a, all of a sudden, you have groups of people just showing up. What, what's going on? What happened? We hear this, you know, 2,000 pigs died, and this man was, you know, that, was, that we know that was demon-possessed because we, we heard him when we see him, and, and, and she, what, what's going on? And sure enough, there was a man they all knew as a demon-possessed guy. He was sitting there with Jesus now, with clothes on, talking and acting normally. He was in his right mind. He was able to function as a normal human being. But what was more shocking to them than seeing this man and now in his right mind seeing this man back to normal what was more shocking to them was the sight of 2,000 pigs floating in the water what do you think would, would go through your mind if you looked down into a body of water and just saw 2,000, thousands of pigs just floating there now, would you be happy for this man who was just liberated from these demons? Or would you be sad about these piggies? About these pigs that were in the water floating? Verse 17 tells us that now they all began to beg Jesus to leave the region. Now they were asking him, you know what? They were, they were scared, they were, they were afraid. They didn't know how to deal with this whole situation. They were begging now. They were begging Jesus to leave the region. You see, in the heart of these people, they gave up on this man. They absolutely gave up on this man and didn't care about him anymore. And were just, and that's why they left him out there in, in the hills and mountains and among the tombs and wanted to shackle him down there. And they, again, considered him dead. They didn't want anything to do with him they gave up on this man a long time ago and therefore cared less about what Jesus had done for him for them what mattered was their pigs what mattered was this investment in these pigs in these pigs they had just lost a large portion of their in their financial investment those who you know invested in these pigs and you know i don't know if they were going to sell them or they were gonna use them as, as you know, to make bacon, to sell bacon or ham or whatever, but their investment in these pigs was now gone. And these pigs, they saw these pigs as more valuable than this man. They saw this, this pig, these pigs, as being more valuable than this one human being but not Jesus. Jesus knew, knew the value of this man. Jesus knows the value of each and every single one of you. This world may think that you're worthless. You may even sometimes think to yourself you're worthless, but not Jesus. People fear what they don't understand, and for many it's easy, easier to ignore something than to try to understand it. Six years after I rededicated my life to Christ, people I once considered close don't want anything to do with me anymore. Don't want anything to do with me because they don't bother to ask me about what happened to me. Now they just ignore me and it actually wouldn't surprise me if some of them actually hate me. And I'm fine with it because Jesus said in John 15 18 that that would happen. He said people are gonna hate you because of me. As a Christian, people aren't going to like you. People are just not going to have, they're not going to want anything to do with you. you no, know, people say that, that ignorance is bliss. It's common, it's a, it's a cliche and it's out there that ignorance is bliss. But I say at what, but I say at what cost? At what cost is that ingor, ignorance bliss at the cost of your eternal destination? The Bible tells us that in hell, there is no bliss, there's no bliss in hell. In fact, we're told that it's a place of continual pain and torment. There's one description that says that it's, there's weeping and gnashing of the teeth. You just feel just nothing but pain all the time in hell, there's no bliss. People don't want anything to do with Jesus because they don't understand Him. And they don't want to understand Him because they fear what He will expose when He turns the lights on, when He turns on the light. Yes, just like Jesus, as a Christian, there will be times people are going to ask you to leave. There are going to be times when people just don't want anything to do with you and just, you know what, just go away. You might be rejected by family members. You might be rejected by friends. They're not going to want anything to do with you. And, and they might, especially like in this case, if you're a threat to their livelihood. If this happens, if this were to happen to you, it's okay. It's okay because it doesn't mean that God is done with them. He just may use other means to accomplish His pur- purpose. Now let's, let's quickly finish up the, the last three verses. It says in verse 18, As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed kept begging him to be with him. But he would not let him. Instead, God told him, Go back to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and how they were all amazed. The man wanted to go with Jesus. He's like, yeah, I want to go with you, Jesus. I want, I, I want to be with you. I want to be one of your disciples. But Jesus said no. He's like, no, that's, that's not what I want. He wouldn't let him. It wasn't that Jesus was rejecting him. It wasn't that Jesus was rejected, rejecting him by telling this man, I don't want you. He wasn't telling him that. You see, Jesus understood that this man had suffered rejection and was ostracized for many years. And he was completely sensitive to that. But this man's plans were not the plans that God had for him. Jesus was essentially telling these are my words, Jesus was essentially telling him, my plans for you are different than the plans, my plans for you are different than the plans I have for these other men that are with me. And then Jesus told him what he wanted to do. And you see that in verse 19. That was the plan he had for him. He was to be a witness of Jesus by giving his testimony of what Jesus did for him throughout this entire region. Now I want to show you this, quick, this map again. The Decapolis. The area of the Decapolis was all these areas in the pink. Those were the cities of the Decapolis. That's what, that's what was uh, considered the area. So this man now, healed from these demons, was to be a witness in this whole region here. All the area east of the sea, of the Jordan River Wow what a powerful witness this guy became in this whole entire area so we're told this man obeyed and a result as a result we're told in the last line in verse 20 and they were all amazed Sometimes the plans that God has for you will not be what you want. Maybe some of you have been telling God, "You know what, Lord, I, I, you want." I'm sorry. Maybe some of you have been telling God what you want instead of listening and finding out what He wants, how He wants to use you. Would you be okay if, if God tells you, God tells you, "I know you want to be," you know. Uh, this pastor, this evangelist, or this famous, you know, you know, Christian or you want to be well known as as the person who did this and did that and would you be okay if he just wants to use you in your schools, at your work, wherever you're at, would you be okay with that? Would you be okay if he just, you know, wants you to lead a small Bible study? Would you be okay if He just just wants to to use you to reach the same people that have suffered maybe some of the same things you have? Would you be okay with that? I believe that if you begin to listen to how He wants to use you, not only will He bless you, but He will use you to bless others as well. Have faith that He will send you, this is important, have faith that He will send you exactly where He needs you. We have in our minds what we want to be. I know in my mind, I didn't picture myself being here, doing this, preaching the Word of God. But he had other plans for me. Now, if his plans for me was to work at a church and clean toilets and all that, well, I know he would have blessed me. I know that would have been his plan for me, and his plan for me would have been great. And he would have used me in an amazing way. It doesn't matter how, but just it matters your, your it's what it's in your heart that matters. Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to obey? God is wonderful, God is good, and He's He just like this man, He wants to use you. This man went from a monster to a Messenger of Jesus Christ. And that's what I've titled my message this morning: From a Monster to a Messenger he was no longer the person he was, he was was a new creation. Now we're told in the Bible that if you accept Jesus, you are a new creation. If you allow Jesus into your heart and you sincerely believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved and you are born again and you are a new creation. Is that you this morning? Is that who you are? If you're not, I do. I suggest and I ask that you and if and if the Lord is prompting you, just pray in your heart Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. And allow Jesus to come into your heart. Sincerely believe. And watch Him do an amazing work in your life. See how Your life is just gonna completely change. You'll no longer be the person you are and you'll be set free. there will be some setbacks. There might be some people that may not like you anymore, but you know what, it's okay. Because what matters is that that you've been accepted by God. He loves you and he accepts you and he, he sees you as innocent. He sees you as pure. Allow him to come into your life. Let's pray. Oh, God, thank you for your message today, your word. Thank you for this story, for showing us so much here, showing us that that you are powerful, more powerful than 6,000 demons. Nothing can stand in your way. You have power and authority over the elements of the air, uh, the ocean, the wind. And you are. You're more powerful than Satan himself. And, And I just ask you that you strengthen us, Lord, when we are going through these difficult times. Be with us. Heal those that are in need. Fill them with your spirit, Lord. And call out to those who are earnestly searching, Lord. And come into them and fill them as well. Lord, we thank you for what you've done, for everything you've done and what you will continue to do. And we just be obedient and listen to, to what you have in store for us, what you have planned out for us, regardless of what it is. Lord, bless this day. Bless the rest of this week. We just go out there and shine forth and shine the, shine the brilliance of your glory. Watch over us, protect us this week, Lord. Thank you so much. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.